Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I got two guests with me on the line. Well, actually, a guest and a co-host. Back for the second week in a row. I don't even know what's happening right now. I have Brenna Redbeast Calvert. So, Brenna, welcome back. Awesome. Thank you. I think we do this. I get a few in a row and then, like, take off forever. <laughs> and then we have, we have another special guest. Um, I'm going to introduce her first, and then we'll tell you who this episode is brought to you by. But... Before I read her bio, you know, when we talk about the greatest of all time in obstacle course racing, you know, our sport's still pretty new. So I I don't think we can have like too much of a serious conversation, but you know, there's definitely names that are starting to rise to that level. And I think our guest is, if not the front runner, definitely, definitely right up there. Right. So one of the best in the sport, we have Spartan Pro Nicole Miracle. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Cool. So I'm going to run through your bio real quick. And you told me to gloss over it, but uh, there's a lot of really good stuff in here. So I'm going to read most of it. So Nicole's a five-time obstacle course racing world champion and the reigning Spartan world champion. Competitive background includes division one cross country, track and field athlete at Rice University, where she held two school records, qualified for the 2008 Olympic trials and the 3000 meter steeplechase. So steeplechase background, that's that's awesome. Uh, Kind of what I think is the closest thing to OCR in the Olympics at the current state enjoys uh, running trail running rock climbing uh kind of her diverse athletic athletic background led her into obstacle course racing in 2016 and immediately found some success 2017 won the usa ocr championships in both the 3k and 15k finished first in the american in spartan championship series and won the 3k ocr world championships tougher motor world championships 2017 repeated as the 3k ocr world championships in 2019 solidified her rise the top of the sport uh winning the spartan race world and trifecta championships and if you heard some noise in the background my uh two-year-old son just wandered into the room so i apologize all right nicole welcome <laughs> impressive to say the least <laughs> yeah like i said you know if you're not you're definitely in the running for greatest of all time at this point and you know i think as the next couple of years kind of unfold uh we'll you know Obviously, I think you have a lot more wins ahead of you, but you know that I think it'll clarify some of those things. But thanks, I've tried to to be, I tried to become a more consistent athlete, especially in the last couple of years. So um, I appreciate that. <laughs> cool. So we want to talk a little bit about your background, but I know you've been on a whole bunch of other podcasts. So I don't want to kind of review old material that our listeners may have heard someplace else. I know this is the first time we've had you on Strength and Speed. Uh, so we're going to start off kind of in the current and then kind of jump backwards in time towards the end of the podcast. So uh, recently you announced this uh, development team concept. So can you just kind of tell us a little bit more about that and uh, you know, where you're going with it and how it's playing out? Yeah. So I guess um, to try to be brief, the, the overall goal is to um, basically create more opportunity for women in obstacle course racing and with uh, with the intent to elevate the competitive side of the sport. So I'd like to see more women on the elite starting line. I would love to see, you know, sprint finishes. <laughs> I'd love to see a lot of like place change, changes from race to race, things that right now we see on the men's side and we just don't see quite that level on the women's side. Um, so yeah, so so that's kind of my um, my first goal in doing this this women's OCR development team. And I'm going to have a team of about five women who receive uh, mentorship from me. And if they need coaching, then I have a great team of coaches. I have Nell Rojas. I have uh, Faye and Jess of Grit Coaching. 
And then I have two nutritionists, Corinna Coffin and Kylie Van Horn. I have a mental performance coach, Addie Bracey, who's a professional trail runner for Nike. And then I have Dr. Laura Pence, who is a clinical psychologist. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a really awesome team of women that um, are super excited to be there. <laughs> and uh, the whole idea is to try to support this elite, this elite or like up and coming team um, in all ways that I think an athlete needs to be supported. Awesome. Well, That's it's amazing. Yeah. I was like, can I ask a few questions based off that kind of, um, because I will say this, the whole idea sounds awesome. And I personally went ahead and applied just because the idea of it, everything you said is really cool sounding. Um, but I shared it with some fellow teammates and friends through my social media that I applied and I was shocked how many just kind of hadn't heard about it yet and didn't know. I mean, I obsessively follow you. So like, of course I would hear and see from your stuff, but more of them, like they don't follow, they're not Spartan racers. They're not big Spartan goers. So like the first question I was getting was, um, do the girls that apply have to be like, I saw you asking, you know, what races do you have planned for the year? Do they have to be going to a Spartan race or are you expecting people that have run Spartan or like, are you looking outside the box of the Spartan realm? So, um, I'm definitely looking outside of the Spartan realm. I'm looking outside of the sport even. So, if there's athletes that have never done an obstacle course race and they're interested in coming into the sport, I'm, I'm definitely more than happy to take those applications and, and consider them because that's where I came from. You know, I, I wasn't someone who, um, who had some other fitness background, got into obstacle racing and then like slowly progressed. Um, I had, you know, elite running background, um, got into rock climbing and then came into the sport in a way that uh, I was able to, to somewhat make an immediate impact. I had varying success early on. <laughs> I would do really well one race and then I would really struggle other ones. But, um, but yeah, I, I certainly am open to someone with my type of background because I know that you can come in with, um, with already a developed running background and, and put the other pieces together. Um, and then I also know from, from my experience as well, like coming into the sport, I initially was more drawn to the Savage races, the OCRWC races, um, the ones that have a little less on the strength side and more technically hard obstacles that require more grip strength, more, you know, dynamic movements like climbing background type of obstacles. That's what I was initially more drawn to. And I would say that I only ended up going into the Spartan world more because that's where the competition was. That's where essentially the, the sponsorships were. And, yeah. and yeah, I want prize money. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you got, yeah. no one's hating on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it makes sense. I mean, I've thought myself like, you know, I have fun going to the Savage races and all the ones that I do, but I've also thought, you know, if I wanted to take that next step or like, if I wanted to be known and seen more as a top level, like I always felt like I had to go to a Spartan race to be noticed or something in that light. So I feel like what you're doing is going to help kind of open the excitement and spotlight for female athletes outside of Spartan, which is awesome. Um, what about, I've seen like, like age, is there, I know you have a 18, I think you have to be 18 older, right? Correct. But what about like, is there a master's division or an old limit, old lady age limit or anything? <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't have an age limit. Uh, I would say that, yeah, anyone can apply for the elite team, but 
because there was such a huge interest in in the the organization in general um and some people were you know they came to me and they're like you know i really don't think i fit this but i want to be involved in it <laughs> um i just i kind of saw this opportunity to to hopefully help more women in the sport because you know the overall goal is to get more women into the sport in general introduce ocr to to more people so um so with that in mind and knowing that the barriers for for a lot of women on the elite side are, are similar to um to the barriers that that women experience at all levels um i'm trying to also put together a community group um that's for lack of a a decided on name i guess <laughs> we can call it that right now but but basically um anyone who anyone like any any age anyone who doesn't not live in north america because i've also i've also limited my elite group to to like athletes in north america um, so kind of like an open like an open team team and like an elite team in a, in a sensible yeah, way exactly yeah an open team um which i don't really like community and open i don't i don't exactly love those names because um because i think there's a place for for people that are really serious competitors and they're just like you know, like maybe they don't quite make the team that I'm forming because there's only five people. And there's so right. many people <laughs> um, but I, but I think that, yeah, I think there could be a place for, um, for really people of like all different levels on it. Um, and my, my vision is to bring the same, the same, the same things that I'm bringing to the elite group. I want to like bring the same type of value to the, to the larger group. And so um, like, I want to offer, the same type of expertise um, that I'm that I'm offering, and I and I can't, I can't exactly offer the same like financial support and you know like free coaching and free nutrition support, but I hope to to be able to help other women become the best athletes they can be, and hopefully navigate the sport a little bit better, connect with other women, um, basically like build this community that will help a lot more people than I can just help individually. Gotcha. And when does the, or when did the application period close? So it's still open. And um, so I, I, I announced that it would be open for two weeks. Um, and I, I'm open to having it open longer. <laughs> what a weird sentence, but um, yeah, it's not like a hard and fast, you know, I'm going to close it on Tuesday. Cause that's, that was two weeks. Um, I'm, I'm happy to extend it a little bit, um, but I just want to get the program started as soon as possible. <laughs> so it's more just that um, it's going to take a while to go through the applications, which I've, I've already been like sifting through them. But uh, yeah, obviously, the longer it's open, the more people will apply. So, um, gotcha. so can you divulge or say, I mean, you've said a little bit about like the coaches you have involved and nutrition help and coaching help. Are there other perks that are going to the elite team that would be selected or like, you know, what would draw other girls other than the idea to apply? Like what can you announce or say more? I saw shoot like BJ. So I'm assuming girls will get shoes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm announcing the different, the different partners um, this week as well. But I, yeah, I, I went ahead and said that BJ sports is involved. They're going to offer shoes for all the athletes. Um, and then alt red, and Honey Stinger and Darn Tough have all offered gear for the team as well. Um, I expect that there will be other brands that will offer free gear. Um, but yeah, so it's so it's 
a bunch of gear, free races. I have free races from Spartan, free races from um, OCRWC, and then um, hoping to, to get other brands involved as well. And then I'm giving all the athletes a $2,000 stipend. Nice. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. I think that right there is a different set of perks than a lot of existing teams have. So that's really exciting. Um, the idea is then, like, whatever would have helped, like in my mind, I, I thought like what would have helped me when I first got into obstacle course racing and I tried to um, put all of those together basically. <laughs> Very smart. And I kind of know this answer again, because like I've been watching this unfold, but for those that haven't learned, um, you obviously didn't put this together overnight. Was Is this something that's been in the works for years or 2020 not racing as much gave you some idle time to think? Or like, how did this kind of, I mean, is this a quick thing? You turn around, I'm just curious the background to it and what you've been up to with it. Um, I, I was, I was wanting to launch it last year and okay. it, yeah, basically in, in March, like February, March is when I had the idea. I was, that's when I first put like, you know, a document together outlining like what my vision was for the team. Um, started, yeah, talking, <laughs> yeah, ta started talking to some companies, uh, was kind of like getting some momentum going and then COVID happened <laughs> and, and it just seemed like a, a really poor time to do it. Um, but, and, and honestly, like even getting to this point in the, in the, I don't know, COVID saga, it's maybe not, exactly the ideal time to um with so many more races being up in the air still but i figured that i've wanted to launch it for a long time now and um a lot of these things will benefit athletes right now too like you know starting starting all of the the coaching and the nutrition um even if there's not that many races at the start of this year i think it will be exciting to see the progress from athletes and then um, hopefully towards the end of the year, there'll be more races. <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. been, it's been in the works for a bit. Gotcha. Very well, exciting. I, I love it. You know, I've, I've got a six year old daughter, so, you know, obviously the benefit doesn't affect her right now, but you know, the, the, the progress you're making now is going to affect people like my daughter, whether she races or not. Right. It, it opens the door for, for other, uh, lady, ladies growing up in the sport. So that's super cool. And then on top of that, um, a couple of years ago, I, I created a strength and speed development team and I've been waiting for someone else in the support to use that term because like, it's not a, that's not like I didn't create that term, right? Like I stole that from another sport because I saw other sports doing it. And I've been waiting for someone in the obstacle course racing world to do something similar. And, uh, you were doing it similar and bringing in a lot more perks. So I think that's just phenomenal and, um, yeah, super excited and excited to see how it kind of plays out and looks like you have a stellar team supporting the, your uh, your brand and i mean those names you mentioned that's like an all-star team of uh <laughs> information and and brands and uh clientele there so it's it's gonna be good I'm, I'm i'm excited yeah i think i i didn't even quite realize until a couple of days ago when i was like making a post about nell and i was like oh man yeah every single one of these these ladies are like very exceptional athletes for the most part <laughs> they're like either professional or like elite um uh even in their like like it like in addition to being experts in their field <laughs> of right. like study so yeah it's exciting that they both have um a lot of them have both like the experience and the knowledge to bring something valuable to the group 
Yeah, I think that brings a lot of, you know, besides having like the book knowledge, having that personal experience, I think you understand a lot better, like what an athlete is going through, you know, whether it be performance anxiety or kind of dealing with things that, you know, you may not necessarily learn from a book, you have to learn through like personal experience and trial and error. So I think that adds another layer of depth uh, to their knowledge. So totally. Well, and I'm just excited the mention of, I mean, not saying women have more mental issues with sport, but I feel like we share and might express the mental side to it for us. So like having mental coaching available and sharing that and letting girls know is something new. And I think needs to be focused on more because I've been doing that, just trying to change, you know, like building your athletic background. Great. But walking up to the start line, the mental game that plays, but having coaching and maybe that's why half these girls haven't even gotten into the sport because of the nerves or something. So that right there is different and exciting. So I'm very intrigued by it. Yeah. That's something that I think, um, it, it actually has a lot of layers to it. I think that there's, um, an issue of confidence, getting into the sport, being able to progress in the sport. And then there's a lot of race anxiety that contributes to, to not one, not really dealing with, um, with embracing racing and looking forward to racing, but also uh, race anxiety can also make it hard to simultaneously be competitive, but also embrace your competitors in like a a healthy, like friendly way. (laughs) So, so I'm hoping that, that really, yeah, focusing on the mental side of things will help people to be able to, um, to kind of like to embrace both of those things, like embrace competition and embrace being like really fierce competitors, but then also embrace like fostering like community and, um, and like cheering for your competitors. <laughs> I know it's like, it kind of seems like a, you know, and if this, you, you either can do like yeah, one, or the, one other. or the other. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but I think that that community actually makes us better competitors and, um, and it makes racing less of, um, like an anxiety provoking event. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I love it. That's what I just love supporting women, but competing and, you know, like we're going to kick each other's butt and say it, but have fun. And then at the end of the finish line hug and all is well, like, and congratulate and relive the moment, but there's still sport and competition. So this just sounds really exciting. So thank you for sharing all of the information and answering some of the questions that, you know, I've been receiving kind of about it. So I'm very excited to share the information. Totally. And sorry, I actually realized I forgot one huge aspect of it um, just because it's, I'm looking at my doc, this document right now and it's written in a different place. Um, but one of the other things that is, is a part of this program is inside tracker, tracker blood testing, uh, mm-hmm. which is like, Having knowing like what's going on inside in your body is such a major component for any athlete, but especially females, we deal with being anemic at a much higher rate than our male counterparts. <laughs> and so, you know, knowing what your iron levels are, your vitamin D um, hormones, like those are really important things to know. And it can be as easy as like just taking an iron supplement that will raise your level of perform- performance drastically. So really important to know that that's also in there. <laughs> that is awesome. And see, listeners to Strength and Speed, you know, we talk about this, I think it was on our last episode, right, Evan, yep. with Ashley? And, I mean, one of the top best athletes is talking about the same company. So it's like, we're not just biased. It does work. Inside Tracker is amazing, and she's offering it to the women. So that's very exciting to hear. Thank you. 
Yeah, you know, we, we spend all this money for like racing and travel and all this stuff. And then you're essentially without inside tracker, you're playing guesswork about what's actually going on inside your body. I, I thought like, I just thought it was super cool to see like hard numbers of like, this is what all these different levels are. I mean, like, okay, you know, well, here's what I'm doing that's working. Here's what I'm doing that's not working. Maybe I need to take more rest days, blah, blah, blah. So really cool company and uh, also great to see they're, they're on board with this. So before we move on to some other stuff, any final uh, thoughts for your development team? That you, we missed anything you want to highlight? Uh, how, do, how, how do people apply? Oh, yeah. That's okay, so there's, there's a link in my Instagram bio, and you can click that and apply. Um, I have had several people that have had issues with it, and so um, I'm just telling people to to send me a, send me a message on Instagram if you're not able to submit it and maybe before you submit it, save all your answers in a different document just in case. <laughs> yeah. But that's awesome. Cool. Good idea. And we'll, we'll grab that link and uh, slap it on the uh, strength and speed Facebook page and uh, we'll throw it in the show notes down here too. And this will come out at the end of the week. So probably Thursday, Friday. So uh, if you hear listening to it, apply as soon as possible because like Nicole said, we're, uh, she was planning on shutting it down pretty soon. So just a heads up there. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it open until, until this, this podcast is out at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. So let's <laughs> jump into some of your other background, right? I mean, you're, as I said in your intro, right? Phenomenal athlete, uh, background in steeplechase. So kind of tell me a little bit about steeplechase and uh, qualifying for the 2008 Olympics, right? Because that's, that's ridiculous, right? That's huge. <laughs> yeah. So, so I qualified for the Olympic trials. Okay. Trials. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so, so the, the joke is that, um, I have attention problems. And so my coach put me in the steeplechase so that I would have something to pay attention to every 40 meters. Um, nice. And I also, I really, <laughs> translates, <laughs> translates well to obstacle course racing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was like the first, the first real type of obstacle race, I guess. Um, yeah. So I, I did the, ops, I did uh, the steeplechase in college for Rice University and um, not unlike my, my introduction to obstacle racing, I definitely struggled with it my first year. Um, I figured out that I was anemic and then I also just figured out how to hurdle a little bit better. <laughs> and so I improved, I think like a minute and a half from my freshman to sophomore year, um, which is like a, a stupid amount of improvement. <laughs> Um, that's a lot of iron basically. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, re I really enjoyed the steeplechase. I unfortunately, um, had a lot of injuries in college. I had, uh, let's see the, yeah, like the year that I, that I qualified for the Olympic, the Olympic trials, I ended up spraining my ankle really badly in practice before the national meet. And so I didn't get to run nationals and I didn't get to run at the Olympic trials. <laughs> oh. So I qualified, but I couldn't actually race. Um, and then the following year, I actually broke my foot during the regional championships. I, I like somehow just landed perfectly in the wrong way and had this beautiful spiral fracture on my fifth metatarsal. So I then once again was out for, for nationals. Um, and so I, so I was like, I, yeah, I'm trying to think. So my, my coach and my teammates, like they kind of joked that I was like maybe one of the best runners that was never an all American. 
because um, I was a regional champion in cross country two times. And then I would like, I would go into nationals in the steeplechase ranked like one year I was ranked eighth, one year I was ranked fifth. Um, and then like obviously both years I didn't race. So, so ne never an All-American in college um, <laughs> somehow, but yeah, I had, I had this kind of like up and down um, lots of injuries and um, kind of left college not being super satisfied and wanting to continue to, to run and in particular race the steeplechase. But again, I had a labral tear, which prevented me from really continuing on in the sport. So um, in 2013, I ended up having an MRI, figured out that I had a labral tear, um, saw a different surgeon, saw a nerve specialist, a, um, a spine specialist, um, had a 3D gait analysis done, all of this testing to basically conclude that doctors really weren't that confident that my problem was a labral tear. And so surgery wasn't recommended and I was kind of left up to myself to figure out what to do about it. Um, and that's what pushed me into OCR. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I think you made up for not being an all American with five world championships and obstacle course racing. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Now for an average week in training for steeplechase, like a 3000 meter steeplechase, take me through like what an average week looks like compared to what an average week looks like now training for obstacle course racing like we're talking you know uh types of workouts mileages stuff like that yeah um let's see in college i ran a bit more so i probably ran um consistently like 60 to 70 mile weeks and i did let's see i did two workouts and a long run um may maybe three workouts sometimes and um, and I didn't really do any strength <laughs> that just like, wasn't really something we focused on in my program. Um, so yeah, it was like mainly, mainly focused on running. One of the workouts in the week would have been like steeple specific. Um, and then we did like a little bit of core work on our own, but nothing, nothing that would like, I was, I, I didn't really have that much guidance in, in like the strength department in college. Um, and so then comparing that to now, I, I run like 40 to 50 miles a week. Um, typically that's all in five days. So I take two days off a week. Um, I only have one workout, one like hard workout a week. And then during my long run, I'll sometimes have like a, like a short tempo added, but that's not consistently. <laughs> um, and the reason behind all of that is because I do a lot of rock climbing outside of my running and I do two to three days of strength as well. And so it just, it just amounts to a lot more stress than I did in college. Um, and I'm just kind of a fragile runner. So <laughs> I found that keeping my miles low is the best way for me to stay consistent and to perform well. Awesome. So can can I ask like an insider? I don't know if this is too much what you want to share. I mean, I see on Facebook or social media, but who, you live in like a compound or you're training. It seems so fun. I don't know. Like, is Rebecca visiting? Do y'all all live in Colorado or what is happening? Yeah. Um, so I live up at a house uh, in Boulder. Um, so Andy Wacker uh, is the one that owns the house and he is a professional runner 
uh, for Solomon now, actually. Um, he just signed with them. I don't know if that's even been announced. <laughs> um, so he's a professional trail runner. He's one of like, he, basically he's like the best short distance trail runner in the, in the nation. And then um, his wife, Carly, is a, is a, like a 1500 meter runner, um, very fast. And, uh, and then we have Becca who kind of like comes and goes, like she'll be here for a month and then she'll like go back to Boston for a month. Um, so, and she's here right now, which is great. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we, it's basically, it's a house of what, how many rooms do we have? It's, there's like four rooms besides Andy and Carly's. And so, um, there's been a surprising amount of athletes that have come in and gone from that house. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of talented runners basically. <laughs> that's what I was and then you got Benji. And then, I mean, that's what you live. I, cause again, I saw what Ryan, who you were running down the road. Y'all got there's Colorado is an awesome area. I feel like every time you're working out, you pick up like a new friend down the road that everybody knows. <laughs> well, Boulder is just kind of a really special place that has this like crazy amount of athletes. Um, I mean, if you go to like the rock climbing gym, there's tons of professional rock climbers there. And then um, it's like a, a hub for cycling, um, for uh, triathletes, for trail and road runners and track runners. Um, yeah, there's just like endurance sports in general. There's, there's so many professional athletes here that yeah, it's, it's like you can't, you're not going to be special here, basically. Like, I'm, I'm not an exceptional athlete in Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> awesome. Uh, one more question on steeplechase before we switch to some other topics. So, you know, we like to pull lessons from other sports because obstacle course racing is new, right? But fitness is old, right? So most of the problems we have in obstacle course racing have already been solved by other sports. So if you could take you know, one thing you learned from your steeplechase running career and uh, apply it to obstacle course racing, you know, what would it be? Ooh, um, one thing. <laughs> or, you know, uh, maybe not one thing, but a, a pretty good lesson learned from steeplechase that applies to obstacle course racing. So one thing that's really unique about the steeple is that, um, like, like basically you take the steeplechase, the 800 meter and like the marathon. And in terms of, of track and road running, those are the races that can change the most in the last part of the race. Um, the 800, you have people that like lock up in the last hundred meters. Uh, the marathon, you have people that hit the wall. And then the steeplechase, you have to continue running really hard going over barriers, which means that sometimes you can fall. <laughs> um, and so I think it probably taught me that you just like never know what can happen in a race. Um, and that's very much like obstacle racing. Like you don't know, even if someone is like really far ahead, you don't know if they're going to fail something. And so you kind of like, you should never count yourself out and you should always push hard until the very end of the race. I like it. Yeah, true. Very true. That's what I think makes obstacle course racing so interesting is, you know, especially on stuff like OCRWC, the, I mean, someone could, someone could be one obstacle from the finish line and, and get stuck. And then theoretically, you know, you could pass them right at the end. So. Yep. That's happened to me before. <laughs> Did not know that. Sorry. <laughs> Pouring salt in the wound. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> 
Cool. So one more steeplechase question, and then we'll move on to some other topics. Why do you think there's not more crossover coming from uh, steeplechase or, you know, collegiate runners into OCR? Uh, so I think that's something that we've definitely seen before. And I guess I'm speaking just to the women's side right now, but um, it also is applicable to the men's side. Um, yeah. So I, I remember like when I first started in obstacle racing, um, I showed up to a race and I, there's this, this like big runner name that was there, um, who was, she was a really good steeplechaser. And I was, I was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, this, well, this girl's definitely going to beat me. <laughs> and, um, and it was a battle frog and it was, it was like two, five mile laps. And she, I remember like coming through on my second lap and getting to the rig and she was still there on her first lap. And she ended up like cutting her band and dropping out. Um, and that was kind of like the first, the first like time I realized like, oh, like it's, it's not that easy for, for runners, even if they're like kind of, you know, dynamic and, and stronger runners to come into the sport. Like the, there's just so many factors and it's, and it's hard to put them all together. Um, which I think can be intimidating when you, especially like if you come into, if you come into the sport and you have a race that's wet and the obstacles are harder because of it, or you go to maybe one of the races that has harder grip obstacles, um, that can be, it can be just like, oh, like, like so disheartening. <laughs> um, but then you have, you have people that like, maybe they go to a Spartan sprint for the first one, which I think has like relatively easier obstacles. And if, especially if it's like a flatter course or a drier course, then they may have immediately like a lot of success. I'm sorry. <laughs> they may, they may immediately have like a lot of success. Um, but then again, like they go to another one and then it's pouring rain and they fail three obstacles. And they went from thinking like, oh, I'm going to win all these races to then either dropping out of the race or, or placing much further down. Um, and that can be a hard thing to get past and to continue in the sport. Great well, and especially I feel like because some of these people are probably pretty strong in their normal sport. So it's hard to feel like you're confident in your sport and you're a strong runner and you're a strong athlete and then to try something new and feel knocked down or whatever. And then it's just like, oh, ouch, that stings. Never mind. I'm not good. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I know, you know, I know that happened, you know, for, for instance, like Nell, one of my best friends, she came into the sport. She had immediate success. And then she had a really disheartening race in Jacksonville where she failed, I think, like four obstacles um, and, and still placed in the top 10. But for her, that was that was not that was like a very um, that was a very rough race for her. And and then she had the Olympic trials coming up and she was just like, you know what, like I. Like, I just, I think that's, I'm just going to focus on that <laughs> just because of the potential for injuries for her. Um, like, not only was it hard for her at the Jacksonville race um, to deal with not performing at her best or what she expected of herself, but doing that many burpees when you're not used to doing those <laughs> and, then, and then like running through, you know, a swamp um, when she's used to running on pretty like manicured trails um, it, it ended up resulting in a calf strain for her. And so, um, 
that just like wasn't something that she at the time was willing to go through. She thought it was like too too high injury risk for her um, for like considering that she was still trying to get trying to make the Olympic team in the marathon. Um, and she did really well at the trials. She finished ninth and in a really, really hard year. <laughs> gotcha. Now those are all, those are all real good answers. You know, I think some of us who've been in the sport for a while, you know, it's like, Oh, monkey bars. Those are easy. But like, if all you do is run and never do upper body stuff, sometimes, you know, monkey bars are not easy. And then, like you said, if it's a rainy day, um, and you know, maybe you won the last race, because everything was nice and dry. And now all of a sudden you were, you know, you go from, you, you're expecting to win and you finish fifth. And that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of your happiness and your results is your expectations versus what actually happens. Right. So if you're going into a race expecting to win and you, you know, barely make the top 10, that's, that's like devastating versus mm-hmm. uh, if you think you're going to finish 10th and you finish fourth, right. That's a, that's a good day. So. Yeah. I think the other thing is that at least like this is in my experience, Um, I, in my training, I knew relatively how fit I was. Um, and then I would go to a race and then, and then it wouldn't show all the time. And that was something that I just had never experienced before. Like typically as a runner, you know, if you're hitting certain times in practice, you can pretty well predict how your race are going to go. And if that doesn't line up, then it's like, okay, you know, you get, you get blood work taken and then, and then maybe you work with like a mental performance coach, but there's, there's not that many things that you can point to and say like, this, this is the problem. Um, whereas in obstacle racing, you can, you can be really fit. You can be really fit in running. You can even be really fit in, in strength and in like obstacle proficiency or um, like grip strength as well. And you can go to a race and you can, you can, you know, still, you can still have like something wrong with your blood work or something wrong with like your mental game, but then you can also have something happen where, you know, you, you just like don't use really good race tactics or you you don't pick the right or the the optimal lane of op in in an obstacle. Um, You can have something happen where you unexpectedly fall off, even though like it can even be like something that's typically pretty easy for you, but like things happen. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's just, there's just so many more things that can go wrong, basically. <laughs> well, and that's what I've always found funny that people, especially outside the sport will ask me like, so what do you, what's your time for that race? Or what do you expect to finish in? And it's like, well, not every race is a set 5k with again, nothing, no race is the same. So like going into and training, like you said, your training lines up one way, but you don't know the set distance. You don't know the exact number of obstacles or it says 20 obstacles, but then there's like a creek and mud. I mean, you're like, oh, I'm going to run it in a seven minute pace. You don't know that. Like you never know that with the race you finish and you're just thinking, holy crap, that was not what I was expecting. Or when you try to explain that to an outsider, they're like, what's your expected time? Or what do you normally finish in? Like, well, there is not a normal. So, and they're like, what? How is that possible? <laughs> it's unique. Yeah, it's not a track, that's for sure. <laughs> so, so, Nicole, I'm tracking your full-time athlete. Is that correct? I am, yeah. I I was working uh, part-time as an EMT up until the fall of 2018. Okay, uh, but so, since then, I've been a full-time athlete. So how have you been dealing with the last year, right? Because that's been obviously rough with almost no races across, or at least all the big races in the nation, like the big prize money ones were canceled. So. 
How was yeah. your 2020 and early 2021 been? Uh, it's been interesting for sure. I think that I'm um, I'm kind of used to pivoting, um, going from my you know track background and then coming into obstacle racing and learning how to to deal and work around my hip injury. So I kind of just decided to try new things. <laughs> so um, I've been I've been considering trying some ultra races for a while, and this past year just kind of gave me the opportunity to actually sign up for those races. And so I, I did like the, the obstacle racing media's, um, ultra virus race just to kind of do like a, a training run to see how far I could go, um, with a little extra encouragement, I guess. So I ran like 50 K by myself then. And then I signed up for the grand traverse, which was 46 mile ultra race in Crest Butte. And, um, that went well, I ended up winning and, had um i would say like a successful race in terms of not not dying or blowing up um i didn't have any like nutrition you know problems and um i think a lot of things can go wrong in ultras as well and and i had a, a pretty good first experience there so i did that um, i did the spartan games and besides that just kind of tried to explore the mountains a bit more and do a few more fkts as well nice yeah, the Spartan games are really cool to watch. I just uh, I just watched them a couple weeks ago for the first time, so it was it was really entertaining. And I thought uh, I thought they, all the athletes did, you know, great getting far out of their comfort zones and some of those things, and um, really showing how hard uh, some of these events are if you're not you know sp- specifically training and designed for that stuff. Yeah, it was a wild weekend. It was definitely I don't think anybody expected what was thrown at us, um, and it was. Yeah, it's something that I would I would love to do again, knowing a little bit more, um, being able to maybe go in and go into it injury free this time <laughs> and uh and be able to like really push in in all aspects. But yeah, but it was a really cool experience. It was really cool to have such like super different athletes all in one place competing um in the same field. Gotcha. Now you you mentioned it in the last year doing some ultra stuff. So what is you know, let's let's assume everything's back on schedule and back to normal for 2021. It looks like we're trending that way. Um, we're not quite there yet, but you know, what does your 2021 ideal 2021 look like? You know, which, Ooh, which ideal races? 2021. Well, first of all, Spartan and OCRWC. Oh uh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be ideal. Um, Have you decided on that, or I mean, because I saw Lindsay announce basically where they're headed. Have you decided? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I love obstacle course, or I love um, OCRWC, um, just because it's like it's it's like my my favorite mix of obstacles. It's has like some really great memories. I would say that's my the first time I I had like a breakout race was there. Um, I have some memories with you there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I yeah, I was like I. I really can't imagine skipping that race. (laughs) Um, And I'm just, I'm so sad because I feel like not failings towards Spartan or any brand, but to have a true champion, like I don't want it, you know, we don't want it watered down. I want to see the best of the best all together competing, not like people deciding, oh, because so-and-so is going there, I'm going to go over here and take this one. Like that would just be a bummer. Yeah. And hopefully all the athletes, maybe, I think maybe all like, have the same idea that everybody's going to go to the same one 
and it might suck for one, but like everybody should go to the same one together. <laughs> yeah, you know, so the other thing is that there's actually the possibility, and I, I don't actually, I don't know this from like doing the research into the flights yet, but, um, but if you look at it, Friday is a 3K, Saturday is a 15K. So Saturday morning is when the elites will run. And then Sunday, um, at least that's presumed to be when the Spartan race North American championships are in Tahoe. Uh. So, so it's possible one may Ooh. be able to race the 15K Saturday morning, um, scoot over and get on a flight to Reno and then get into Tahoe in time to race Sunday morning. So. Gotcha. And that would be, that'd be crazy. But then again, I mean, that'd be crazy, but doable, but then also takes away the experience. I mean, the whole experience, I mean, you know, for the final end of the year and championships, usually at OCRWC, a lot of you top athletes get to kind of let loose for a minute and have fun at the end of the weekend. And that's what that whole experience in my eyes has been. So we shall see, but yeah, anyways, I interrupted yeah. what else you have planned <laughs> for the year. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I could totally talk about that for a while, but um, so yeah, so generally speaking, my focus will be obstacle racing for 2021. Um, I would also love to get out and do some sky running races. Um, I plan to go to Broken Arrow, which is uh, funny enough, it's the the weekend after the whole OCRWC Spartan North American Champs race. Um, so I think I'll be very tired, but <laughs> the Broken Arrow is is one of the the trail races in the States that I really love. So, um, I'll be doing that. And then I, I would, Oh, I also really want to do the mountain running championships in August. Um, I've been wanting to do that race for probably like, I don't know, like eight years or something. <laughs> so, um, we'll see if it actually plays out this year, but yeah, it's kind of like trying to mix in as many trail races as I can. Um, the other thing that is kind of a, a new endeavor for me is ice climbing, um, or I guess like more specifically mixed climbing. And that is something that I competed in, um, about three weeks ago in Ray, Colorado. And most of the competitions this spring have been canceled. Um, but if there are any that will be held, I will definitely try to make those as well. Cool. Sounds sounds like a busy year. Have you recovered you? fully from your? Oh, sorry. Did you recover fully from your like thumb issue that you got with that? <laughs> um, pretty much. My my joint is still a little bit swollen, and um, there's like, yeah, there's like a few few movements that that it's not super happy with. But um, I did kind of like a test run on VJ's obstacle course um, in Colorado Springs yesterday. And that went really well. I had no problems whatsoever. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm like cleared to race. <laughs> nice. Well, we're going to start wrapping it up before we get going. Got to give a shout out to VJ shoes. I, you just, I know you mentioned VJ, the person, uh, but <laughs> yeah, it reminds me about that. We didn't give a shout out to VJ the shoes at the beginning of this episode. Uh, so this episode was brought to you by VJ shoes. So Nicole, um, Give us a, some of your opinions and some of your your favorite styles of VJ shoes, and then Brenda, feel free to tack anything on. Yeah, totally. So, um, so I my favorite is the Max. I run in it for really everything from I would run in it from like everything from like a short course obstacle race up to ultra distance. I I did the the Grand Traverse in it. Um, I ran 
all types of different mountain runs this summer in my maxes. Um, I went out to Hawaii in December and I ran this like incredibly crazy course called um, the Sea to Sky FKT, which was just like tons of bushwhacking, tons of off trail running um, and they perform great. So yeah, I would say the max is definitely my favorite. I think it has like the best fit for my foot and then it has just this like perfect type of tread super grippy outsole um and it's like really durable too so that's my go-to for most things (laughs) but i would say um for for like the short course races you can also do the extreme you can do the irock which has a little bit more aggressive grip to it it's like especially good in like a really muddy race um and then there's some some new things coming out that i think are really exciting too (laughs) Nice little teaser there. Yeah, I strongly concur on the VJ Max. That's my that's my favorite of their their lineup that I've tried. So, and I know Amy Pagic really likes the iRock. That's what she usually she usually runs in. So nice. Yeah. All all good products. All super grippy. I mean, when I first put them on, I was walking around my house like it felt like the floor was sticky. It was like, you know that 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 beautiful <laughs> rubber at the bottom was just like sticking to my my floor there. So, but and you could. I could really tell like running um, the, one of the races I did at the end of 2020, I switched shoes kind of, it was a 24 hour race. I switched shoes after about 12 hours just because my feet were wet and I wanted to change socks. And I could really tell the difference between the VJs and the other stuff, the other shoes I put on. Like I was like, Oh, now these obstacles are all slick. I was like falling off them. So highly recommend the VJs. I did just see, it was funny, a Texas person was like, never thought I'd be wearing my VJ shoes, like, to walk on my driveway in <laughs> Texas because of the ice, <laughs> so, and not knocking, sorry, Texas people, I know that's a bummer right now, but, hey, uh, pro to the shoes. <laughs> yeah, there's also a winter-specific running, uh, running shoe that they have called the Xero, the, the Xero, <laughs> I guess, um, and they actually have, like, little spikes in them, so. Yeah, those are, they have the carbides. Yeah, they have the carbide studs at the bottom. So for most OC, I know for like most OCRs, they're, they're not allowed. But if you yeah. run any of the winter OCRs, kind of the smaller brands, usually they are allowed. I know uh, Scott Wurzecki from the Conquer the Gauntlet team just picked up a pair uh, about a month ago. So also another another good option if you're going to be doing some snow or wintertime running or if you're in Texas, apparently. Um. <laughs> All right, we're going to start wrapping things up. Before we go, we like to ask people, tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. So we're going to start off with our guest, Nicole. So feel free to uh, fill us in on something. Oh, okay. Um, Brenna, did, do, you, do you know which one I should tell? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we like the embarrassing and juicy, but it's really up to you. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, this is this is embarrassing and juicy, I will say. Um, so I was a bit of a heartbreaker in college, and the the men's cross country coach um, apparently he he said that I owe him two scholarships um, because <laughs> because of of my um, I don't know my uh, relationships <laughs> with the men on the team. <laughs> <laughs> so like as in you like messed up athletes <laughs> apparently <laughs> that's yeah um not, well and to go along with that so my so my coach um which was like the, the women's coach was different than the men's coach um my coach had a rule 
um, I wouldn't say that we necessarily like stuck to this rule, but he said that at the beginning of the season, we had to, we had to like make sure our relationship status was, was all tied up. So we either had to like, if we were going to be single for the season, we're going to be single. Or if we were going to be in a relationship for the season, we're going to be in a relationship. (laughs) He wanted like, he wanted stability. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. Stability. You want a nice uh, constant. You don't need uh, wild fluctuations in emotional ways. (laughs) I mean, it makes I like sense, it. but like, like good luck with that. <laughs> oh yeah, college college students. Yeah, that's that's not really a reasonable yeah. request. <laughs> All right. Well, so I'll chime in. I don't have mine. Not so much on like the heartbreak, but it works for our guest, and it's not well known. I don't know why anybody would know it, but Nicole and I have a cool connection that goes back before OCR on like several levels. Um, we are both from. And have family still in the Woodlands, Texas. And uh, Nicole is nicely a few years younger than me. But she graduated from and went to a private school, John Cooper School in the Woodlands. My sister graduated from there. I went there from kindergarten to, like, second grade. Um, Small world connection. Like, had no idea. And my sister sent me a picture one day of an alumni magazine that she received from Cooper. And it's got this badass athlete on, I think it was like tip of the spear looking battle frog, whatever the Spartan wall Olympus thing. I don't know. She's on the cover of the alumni magazine. And my sister's like, do you know who this person is? And at this point I have already hung out with Nicole, become friends with her and had some stories. So I was like, yes, I love her. She's awesome. And she was like, whoa, what a small world. And on top of it, Nicole randomly like surprised me. And of course I was like, oh gosh, more competition always. Savage Georgia draws Nicole because she's got family in like the Georgia Atlanta area and I was there visiting family too so it's always funny it's like had no idea the sport's small but like weird random outside world connection the school thing was pretty crazy I thought yep spent 24 years in Texas (laughs) yeah so and that's why um that's what I invited you I can mention it here I have invited Nicole to a new race series based off of the Dallas location in hopes that maybe she'll take like a family trip and come see us at a new bottle, Battle of the Lions race, possibly. <laughs> yes, I would love to. So, nice. all right, what you got, Evan? All right, so I'll link back to Nicole's topic. Um, so typically the two types of girls I'm attracted to, um, or used to be attracted to, because I'm married now, so I'm only attracted to my wife, uh, but are, you know, <laughs> one is the cute girl, which I say my wife falls into that category, right? Uh, pretty clean cut. You know, no tattoos, very um, cute, right? So the other type of girl I'm attracted to is like very opposite side of the spectrum. So like tattoos, partially shaved head, hair coloring, wears black, right? Like complete, complete opposite (laughs) side of the spectrum, right? So the girl I dated before my wife used to have the sides of her head shaved, right? So if she let her hair- Nicole, do you, have you ever met Evan in person? I don't think so. Have we I, we've never, I don't think we've ever talked in person. Like I've walked past you at obviously like OCRWC, but like, yeah. I, I don't think we've ever, I've ever said hi. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Evan's like the military guy, but talking, but now I'm picturing him with like a shaved head goth. Oh, I, <laughs> I had my head shaved in college and um, was, obviously the military has like hair standards, right? So in between uh, sp- fall and spring semester, I think two years in a row, I shaved my head into a mohawk uh, just for like a month. Because I, I didn't have to go to military stuff for like a month, so oh, yeah. Man. So yeah, that I like the very. The, 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 the problem is with the uh, with the uh, the very kind of that fringe 
aspect of, of females, they usually don't align with other aspects of my life super well. So uh, not, <laughs> not good marriage material for me. So yeah. That's crazy. Did not know that. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to wrap things up before we get going. Nicole, any final shout outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors, et cetera? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll shout out um, all my sponsors, sponsors, um, Athletic Brewing, VJ Shoes, Alt Red, Honey Singer, um, and Darn Tough. Nice. Brenna, what do you have? Um, just a nice shout out. Same, likewise, Honey Singer has been amazing to me recently. And um, I didn't, I'll, I'll just dedicate to Honey Singer because I just got some awesome swag that I was super excited about. A nice little beanie and some shirts and stuff. So they've been rocking with the fuel. So thank you. Good stuff. And make sure you head over to teamstrengthspeed.com. Go to our online store. When this comes out, our pre-order for shirts will close probably in about 48 hours after this comes out. So if you want the Ultra OCR Man shirt, the one uh, I'm going to be wearing for Ninja Warrior, uh, you got to order it ahead of time. And once it prints, I will send it to you. If you want the Strength and Speed female tank top that has the Joan of Arc quote on the back, again, you have to order that ahead of time. So again, you got about 48 hours after this podcast comes out to place your order. And then the, the shipment goes in and we are not producing extras. And then finally, OCR Mill 21,000 feet. Head over to my Facebook or to Strength and Speed's Facebook or our Instagram or our webpage. All of those work. And you can donate to Folds of Honor. Folds of Honor, again, does scholarship money for children whose parents were killed and wounded in action. You can donate to the fundraiser directly through there. Or if you want to participate in the virtual event, right? So it's six hours. You can do one mile run, either on a treadmill or outside. Do four obstacles of your choosing and repeat that uh, pattern for six hours. You got to donate 50 bucks at least to the fundraiser. And again, all that money is going 100% to charity. And then I will basically message you later and ask for your address and I will, email, or I will mail you the belt buckle. Again, the belt buckles are the same person who made the belt buckles for OCR America too. So they're really nice quality. Uh, they've got the Strength and Speed logo on there. They got the Folds of Honor logo. And then they have Mythic Race logo, which is William Shell's new race that he's launching in 2022. It's a Missouri-based race. And um, so it's got his like new dragon logo on there. So they're pretty cool looking. They did a really good job with the, the belt buckles there. And it's going to be loosely competitive again. So, um, you know, we'll, people will submit their distances they covered. And well, where I can stack you and we'll send you, uh, you know, first place, first, second, third place, uh, kind of gold, silver, bronze belt buckle in addition to the, the normal one you get. And again, all that money goes to Folds of Honor. And if you want to actually follow what's going on, uh, that's the event date is March 7th and I will be at Modus Ninja Gym in Kansas City attached to a hypoxic generator running at 21,000 feet trying not to black out. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to try not to throw up on myself. I'm really excited for that. <laughs> so, and then again, the, I'm also talking to Obstacle Running Adventures, Mike Stefano. I'll be on his podcast and we'll do kind of like a deep dive into OCR mill 21,000 feet. So if you want to know more about that, please head over to Obstacle Running Adventures because uh, I'm not covering it in here because I don't want to produce the same content on two different channels. That seems, seems unnecessary when you can just go over and listen to Obstacle Running Adventures. <laughs> Nicole, thanks for coming on. And thanks for listening to my long spiel at the end there. And uh, great talking to you and looking forward to hopefully seeing you later this year at some, some of the big events. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, definitely look forward to meeting you in person. All right. Sounds good. We'll catch you later. Bye, Bye guys.